0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today.
1: Uh, well, a really warm welcome to what is a special edition of Squawk Box. We're, we're, we're everywhere. We've got um, an acronym smorgasbord, the ECB, BOE, CNBC at my HQ. Yes, here are your headlines. Uh, Metashares plunge in extended trade, uh, wiping off a mere $210 billion off its market cap. This after the social media giant formerly known as Facebook posts its largest ever quarterly miss. Uh, NASDAQ futures on the back of that, of course, are sliding. Uh, currently, you can see the NASDAQ down 338 points on the futures on the back of that meta miss. Other social media also getting caught up in the selling, whilst Japan's Nikkei also turns red.
2: Spotify plunges as listeners tune out. Even a beat on the top and bottom line are not enough to offset disappointing subscriber forecasts from the streaming platform. The CEO Daniel Eck will be speaking to CNBC later on today at 1600 CET.
0: And it's a Super Thursday for the central banks with decisions expected from the European Central Bank and the Bank of England. And I'm here in Threadneedle Street where we are anticipating the bank will increase rates 25 basis points. That will be the first set of consecutive rate hikes since 2004.
1: Right, uh, welcome to the show. It's it's really packed uh, and I'm going to go through some stuff and Karen's got some big stuff as well. I'll just do Roche very quickly. You remember yesterday we were talking to Vaz Narasimhan, uh, the boss over at Novartis, about how underwhelming the shares have been on a longer term basis and haven't really taken advantage of the new focus uh, on pharmaceuticals and healthcare, didn't necessarily have the right product uh, for COVID-19 as well. Well, Roche isn't in that same basket as well. In fact, Roche shares over a five year period uh, have had a really strong run as well. Although year to date, They are down 6%, but from their June 2018 low, uh, they have rallied around about 146 uh, Swissy as well. So a really big rally off their lows on a longer basis. As you can see, just tipping off a little bit on the right-hand side. Now, are their earnings good enough to justify those kind of moves? Well, they said here they've reported good results uh, for 2021. I should add as well, of course, COVID testing. Roche and Severin Swan were right at the forefront of this uh, in all parts of the globe, putting millions of test kits out there as well. So that's a huge part of their success uh, over the last couple of years. So they've reported good results. Their words, not mine, by the way. Uh, Sales increasing 9% at constant exchange rate, 8% in Swiss francs, Uh, core 2021 operating profit, 21.9 billion Swissy. 2022 sales are expected to be stable or grow in low single digits. Well, that's straight away where we go to Severin Schwann on that one as well. Why low single digits, given everything we're seeing as well? 2022 core earnings per share targeted to grow in low to mid single digit uh, including accretive effect of recent sh- recent share purchase. They are also saying uh, excluding those effects. Now, what effects is that saying? Excluding, that's it, bear with me, excluding those effects, group sales are expected to be growth in the high single digit as well. So sales losses uh, to biosimilars. Well, there's the problem. That's straight away. Biosimilars in the current year to be roughly 2.5 billion squishy. Again, that's exactly where we'll go uh, with uh, Severin Schwann. They anticipate, though, and this is absolutely the pivot of what I've just been saying. There, well, pivot all, I should say. Sales of COVID-19 med- medicines and diagnostics to decrease. That's interesting. To decrease by approximately two billion Swiss, to around five billion. Again, that absolutely fascinating. The fact that they are seeing those sales of those products decreasing. Uh, in 2022. Well, I've mentioned it twice. I'll say it a third time. We're going to speak to the CEO, uh, Severin Schwan, in around about an hour's time. And he's got a really good line on us not focusing just on COVID. There are many other horrendous diseases and illnesses out there as well, uh, which the world needs to focus on. And uh, Severin Schwan is right at the forefront of that. Do not miss that interview. It's coming up in exactly one hour's time. But Karen, without doubt, the most extraordinary story overnight, the most extraordinary share price reaction to those misses. Good morning to you, my friend.
2: Good morning. Yes, uh, Meta, as we now call it, the company formerly known as Facebook, is the one to watch. And uh, what we saw, Meta is on course for its worst day since it IPO'd 10 years ago after investors wiped nearly $200 billion from its market cap and after hours mauling. Now, Q4 results came in mixed with the firm's worst EPS miss ever and Q1 revenues were expected to fall short of analysts' expectations.
3: Our colleague Julia Ballston filed this report. Meta shares plummeting after earnings on disappointing Outlook. The company's revenue in the fourth quarter of $33.7 billion did come in ahead of the $33.4 billion expected, but earnings of $3.67 missed estimates of $3.84 as costs of its Reality Labs division grew from prior quarters. The company guided to first quarter revenue growth of between 3 and 11%. That's down from 20% revenue growth in the fourth quarter and 35% in the prior quarter. The company laying out three key factors impacting both impression and price growth. First, ad targeting and measurement headwinds from Apple's privacy changes. They'll be lapping a period without those impacts in the first quarter. Second, they're also seeing inflation and supply chain disruptions impacting advertiser budgets. And third, foreign exchange headwinds. The company also showing stagnating growth at its core Facebook app, with Facebook's monthly active users of 2.91 billion falling short, the 2.95 billion estimated, and declining daily active users between the third and the fourth quarter. CEO Mark Zuckerberg saying he's now focusing on short-form video reels, which he says are less lucrative for now because they show fewer ads. People have
4: a lot of choices
5: how they want to spend their time. And apps like TikTok are growing very quickly. And this is why our focus on Reels is so important over the long term.
3: In addition to Reels, which he said is his first priority, he laid out six other investment priorities, including the metaverse, saying that they are looking forward to partnering with many other metaverse companies. Zuckerberg and Cheryl Sandberg also talked about ads, commerce, privacy, and AI, along with community messaging, the idea of chatting with other people who with whom you have things in common. Now, in terms of audience headwinds, they say on the impression side, they expect headwinds from both increased competition for people's time, that competition issue again, and a shift of engagement within their apps towards video services such as Reels, which monetize at a lower rate. Julia Borston, CNBC Business News, Los Angeles.
2: It's not just Meta stock that we're watching closely today. The other social media platforms as well, and I would say the other wider Fang and Nasdaq listed stocks. And you can see early hours, it does look like it's going to be a brutal day for some of the big names. Uh, we've got the likes of Snap, for instance, called down 16 or percent. Spotify on the back of its update too, down uh, roughly about. Uh, Ten percent. So you can see right across the board, investors taking stock. And this is the problem. We've seen a regrouping in the tech sector this week. We've had gains of about 4.7% on the Nasdaq, 4 plus percent on the FANG plus stocks themselves. And I think investors were encouraged by what they saw from Alphabet, that the revenue numbers were not slowing, that we hadn't really come out of this pandemic trend line and we're resetting lower. But the Facebook, the meta numbers suggest that we are seeing a fading of some of the trends that they've enjoyed of late, whether that's. Supersized pandemic trends, or whether it's been inspired by uh, further competition that's come into the sector. And if you look at the revenue numbers, it is calling first quarter revenue between. Three to eleven percent growth on year. That's not bad if you talk about other sectors, but this is not normal when it comes to the technology industry. Three to eleven percent growth in revenue, Steve.
1: Yeah, all above, Karen. I know we've got to get to our next clip. I just want to say one thing. Show me a young person who, and I say young person below the age of thirty, who uses Facebook, and show me a young person who doesn't use Google uh, as a search engine. And I think there is lies in a large part of the story. Thanks, Karen.
2: And Let's push on and take a look at Spotify, which also uh, has taken a hit after hours plunging more than 10% amid the ongoing controversy over podcaster Joe Rogan. The streaming company beat on the top and bottom line with revenue coming in at just under $2.7 billion in the fourth quarter. But user numbers came in on the soft side. <clears throat> on a programming note, don't miss our colleagues' exclusive interview with the CEO Daniel Ek That's at 1600 CET.
1: Siemens uh, Healthineers, uh, reporting first quarter revenue of 5.07 billion euros, up from 3.8 billion euros a year ago. Let's get to Bernd Montag, who is the CEO of Healthineers, Siemens Healthineers, I should say. Really nice to see you, Bernd. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Look, I I hope you don't mind what I'm about to do. Roche said this morning that they anticipate a decrease of their COVID-19 medicines and diagnostics. Uh, Still healthy levels, but a decrease in the year ahead. With that in mind, is Siemens Ears seeing a changing in focus of a lot of people looking at products, looking at the healthcare sector as well, and saying, OK, we've been obsessed for two years with COVID-19. Now it's time to actually uh, lessen our reliance on that, lessen our focus on it, and start concentrating on everything else. Good morning to you, sir.
5: Yeah, <laughs> thank you for having me. And uh, I mean, quick answer, I mean, we are focused on all aspects of healthcare, yeah, especially the most threatening diseases: cancer, uh, neurovascular, and cardiovascular disorders. This is our core business, and we are doing a very, very good job. The team is off to a very good start in Siemens Healthineers. Um, as a super agile company, we also um, develop tests um, for um, for COVID, especially the the rapid antigen test. This is a business, yeah, which. Uh, in this year is stronger than expected but it's not a core of Siemens healthineers and to be honest i hope that it will go down yeah because we are i think on a good way uh, to see the end of the pandemic
1: Yeah, and I guess what I'm pointing to, and I think you and I have talked about this previously, Bounds, as well, is that the world saw a clear and present danger in COVID, perhaps rightly so, and got on with trying to sort out the diagnostics uh, and indeed the drugs to solve uh, some of the worst symptoms as well uh, and get the population of the globe out of it. They put on hold a lot of the focus on horrendous illnesses that you've been looking at for a long time. You mentioned uh, other illnesses there as well. I'm just hoping that the focus is going to be a bit more balanced in 2022 uh, and other issues which perhaps didn't didn't seem as clear and present are, are, are now going to be in focus.
5: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, we have always our eyes on the long term. Um, one of the big diseases uh, we <laughs> declared war on is cancer. Yeah, which is um, a hidden pandemic yeah, with with uh, much more impact on global health um, than COVID. Yeah, and here um, we are making big progress. We had a strong um first quarter with uh with variant, yeah our um, um the company we um, we, um, we we combined with so to say yeah and this is a, a strong innovation focus for the years to come
2: but it's Karen jumping in. I want to ask you a little bit further, about to that 700 million euros that you're forecasting in revenue from uh, the antigen test, because I think it's fascinating. We, we've had Omicron, obviously, that has come into the mix in this, this quarter, and there's been all sorts of government advice about using these testing kits to allow early release from the home so people are not isolating for as long as they may have to in the past. What is the outlook looking like then once we get through Omicron? Is, it, is there any way of judging whether we're going to be using these tests as much as we are now uh, whether there's another variant around the corner. I mean, how do you have any models predicting what comes next?
5: Well, I, I wished um, I would be the only guy on the planet who is able to predict this, yeah. But my, my assumption really is um, that step by step this will decrease um, and that we will not use, that we will not need these tests anymore. Uh, whether there's one more wave to come or not is, um, is, 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 is another question. Uh, but I'm, I'm very sure that this is the last fiscal year or the last year yeah, where, where these type of tests play a significant role, um, for mankind.
2: Can we talk about short-term then? Because I know a lot of governments are relying on the use of this across populations, but some populations cannot access enough of these test kits to make any real difference. What's the the stockpile looking like at this stage in terms of various parts of the world? Are you seeing a rush to try and get uh, you know a bigger stash of these particular testing kits from some jurisdictions versus others?
5: See, I mean, um, certainly the Omicron wave, um, has um has been a surprise for many for for mankind and for many countries yeah and this triggered a um a a moment where there was definitely a demand peak yeah we did our best and we are doing our best um, to to fulfill this extra demand yeah I mean, not only in Europe but that now um with a particular focus on the United States um, um but I think uh, we, are, we, are, uh, we are getting our arms around it and, and, um, and are able to fulfill the demand. Yeah, it's a balancing act, um, but we are getting there.
1: Final question from me, Ben. Um, a lot of money has been spent fighting this crisis. We've seen a waste of a lot of money uh, has been shown in the United Kingdom as well. Is the money available for other pharmaceutical, other healthcare treatments going forward, or are the budgets going to be stretched at both the public and private sector?
5: I have a pretty optimistic view because I think what the COVID crisis uh, showed yeah, is that healthcare is not a luxury good, but is a, um, is a, a basic aspect of human welfare, but also of the, um, of the competitiveness of a nation. Um, I think it also taught us that, um, that we need to listen to science yeah, and that technology is the answer. And not the threat. Yeah. So from that point of view, I have an optimistic view on it. That is that this new refreshed awareness, yeah, also leads to better healthcare in other sectors.
2: Ben, let's hope so. Uh, thank you very much for joining us this morning. We've got to let you go, Ben Montag with us, the CEO of Siemens Healthineers. Well, coming up on the show, inflation continues to take its toll on Europe, but two major central banks see the problem and solution differently. We're going to discuss this more as we cross live to Jeff at the Bank of England and Annette who is at the ECB in Frankfurt, will be right back.
1: Right, I'll show you what the US markets did, four and four actually, to the upside, but actually quite fascinating is what's going to be the last part of this segment, which will be the futures. I'll come to that a little bit later on. So the S&P put on 0.9 of a percent, the NASDAQ up a half percent. Again, four out of four to the upside for all of these major indices. The data was interesting. I'll go through it quickly. The ADP was underwhelming to the downside, Uh, 300,000 jobs lost, 274,000 of those were in the service sector as well, as you would expect with concerns about Omicron uh, and sicknesses uh, uh, based on that and restaurants and that just not opening up to the same kind of capacity because of that Omicron wave as well. So people were expecting a downtick of a number. They got it, but it was worse than expected. But the question is, is ADP a reliable marker of what we get on Friday tomorrow, which is an on-farm payroll? And the answer is no, not necessarily. It it really doesn't tally as often as you'd like to see in terms compared with the payroll as well. So just take with a pinch of salt, whether or not it's gonna have big correlations on the payroll figure tomorrow. As far as today is concerned, big data actually, uh, productivity and unit labour costs as well. Unit labour costs is the key part as far as I'm concerned about today's data. Treasuries are benign at the moment. Let's have a look at this. 177 is the yield on the 10-year. We know that the 20 to 30-year have been flattening off as well. The action's been at the short end, hasn't it? 1.14% is where the two-year is uh, trading. Of course, everyone's now penciling in that March rate hike. Cateris paribus, all other things being equal. Let's have a look at the dollar crosses as well, and um, where the greenback is trading 113, give or take the change on the Euro dollar pair. Is the ECB ever gonna move on rates? Did you see the inflation figures yesterday? Woo! Was it 5%? 5.1? Don't worry, they don't look at that figure. They look at the core, much lower. It's only a little bit above the target level of the ECB. Uh, Sterling, 135.48. Again, we'll come to that with Jeff in a few moments' time He's down at Threadneedle Street as well. Uh, WTI and Brent. So, looks according to a draft agreement that OPEC plus, OPEC and its allies, with including the Russians, are going to be upping by 400,000 barrels a day uh, at their next meeting as well. So just keeping the, uh, uh, the drip feed of oil back onto the market as well. But again, solidly higher uh, Brent. Uh, over the last few days as well. It just abated a little bit of the gains, but it has been a one-way track for investors for a long while. Uh, WTI just giving back a little bit from its recent highs, 87.69. Asian markets look like this. We've got one or two dribbling back into the market as well, including the Kospi, which uh, is having a 2% rally with its back in trading. The Nikkei 225 giving back 1% from recent moves as well. I uh, said about the futures, just want to show you the futures as well. The action's all gonna be uh, in the Nasdaq as well. What are we down? We're down at the moment 339 points. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is about social media stocks. Right, look, they changed my wall. It must be central bank decision time. So we've got this gentleman I'm standing in front of here. This is Andrew Bailey. Geoffrey will be speaking to him later on as well. We've got Madame Lagarde over there as well. So let's just get into this story as well, because the Bank of England and the European Central Bank are both set to hold their first rate decisions of the year today against the backdrop of persistent inflation, spiraling energy prices and supply chain bottlenecks. I want to show you this as well, because whilst the BOE is expected to uh, hike rates back to back, now they they have hiked rates obviously in the intervening period, but back to back meetings, first time since 2004. Have a look at this though, this is the CPI measure. Can I go right over here? Yes, of course I can, Will. So look, CPI. Right up, nearly 6% as well. But when I was a young man, (laughs) when Jeff was a young man, long, long time ago, sounds like a song, doesn't it? But the fact of the matter is, we used to look at something called RPI, yeah? Retail Price Index. Have a look at what RPI is. I know it's not fashionable. I'm not fashionable, I don't have to be. But look at RPI. It's trading at 7.5% we get another reading of that on February 16th as well. So is the Bank of England, uh, and we'll roll through this now, is the Bank of England actually going to have to update its uh, figures for what it thinks inflation is going to be? I think maybe. Now, the uh, ECB set to hold as well today. This despite the Eurozone. Shall I? Oh, I'll stay where I am. Despite the Eurozone. Uh, having a record high inflation. I mentioned that just now, 5.1% in January. That is way above expectations. They were expecting a dip down to 4.4, would you believe? Uh, UK inflation, meanwhile, stands at a 30-year high. Look at these two. Look at them, braving the weather, the elements. Jeff, outside the Bank of England, Threadneedle Street. Spent a lot of my working life down that way as well. Anetta in Frankfurt looking Probably more glamorous than Jeff, if I can say that. Can I say that? I don't know if I'm allowed to say it anymore, but i just said it. Anyway, but let's get out. Good morning to Aneta. We'll go to Jeff first as well. Good morning, my friend. We've already had a little chat about inflation and interest rates and all this morning, but when you and I used to look at inflation, we used to look at RPI, but now we were told, no, no, you've got to look at CPI. And now we've told, no, no, you've got to look at core CPI because real people, I guess, don't use food and energy. It doesn't really affect their, 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 their wages and what they can spend it on. I think that's hogwash, Jeff. Steve the
0: uh, interesting thing about this meeting today obviously will be the headline interest rate move but this uh, will provide quarterly forecasts as well this session and no doubt they will in that quarterly forecast I think the market is expecting that they will uh, revise guidance somewhat and we'll be talking about 6% CPI heading into the spring and no doubt There'll be uh, some commentary as well about what they expect that to mean in terms of RPI and the kind of factory gate prices that we also look at uh, very carefully. The other interesting aspect of this meeting, and I think that's why it's... um It's it's going to be uh, such an important one for setting the tone in the early part of the year is that we're also waiting to see whether there will be confirmation of action now to reduce the balance sheet because we know since the financial crisis the uh, bank has mopped up something like nearly 900 billion sterling of uh, corporate paper and gilts as it's tried to keep interest rates low for borrowers, uh, both uh, individual consumers and, of course, businesses here. So it does feel as though we are taking some important steps uh, towards a sea change in monetary policy. But as I remember, when you bought your first uh, flat, you paid an extraordinarily high interest rate. The reality of the situation, of course, is that we're talking about a very modest move today that would take us to a half of one percentage point, which is still incredibly low in realistic terms when it comes to the monetary environment that consumers face. But. Andrew Bailey I don't think will get necessarily an easy ride from some of the media because we know that here in the UK there is going to be some shift in the rules around uh, how much power companies can charge consumers and off-gem it sounds like he's looking at something like a 50% increase in those bills. So we know that there's a real hit being taken to household income, and that will be one of the issues, I think, that gets thrown at Andrew Bailey if, as we expect and the market expects, he confirms that quarter point move at today's meeting, Steve.
1: I put in one chart, Geoffrey, history, UK, Bank of England rate changes, and it only went 20 years back. So I have to go back 32 years before I bought my first flat. 7.5% interest rates in the United Kingdom. 7.5% I paid for the privilege of that gorgeous flat overlooking the London Rubber Company, Edmonton Industrial Estate, uh, and the North Circular. Oh, that was well worth that interest rate, wasn't it? (laughs) I think we're going to move on. Uh, let's get to Karen. Karen, if only you'd have bought such a wonderful piece of property back in the day.
2: I did actually buy something with, uh, I think, a similar interest rate. And I must say, uh, now we've got very low interest rates. I looked at the same property again and it's escalated in the most ridiculous price rise you've ever seen. So it does say something about asset price inflation with uh, low interest rates, doesn't it? But uh, let's get to the ECB and we mentioned inflation, the numbers yesterday, what 5.1% for the eurozone for January. But uh, higher in some countries, Lithuania was what 12.2%. France was lower at 3.3%. So this is the problem, Aneta, isn't it? As Christian Lagarde and Co meet, what are they going to do in terms of policy settings for the entire bloc when we know inflation is double digit in some countries?
4: Yes, it's an interesting one because clearly Christine Lagarde will face a lot of internal pressure and I guess the conversations inside the governing council are getting a little bit more tense given that record inflation number we have seen in January and especially from countries like Germany. There's a lot of discussion here on the ground in Germany that really the ECB has to move because clearly we are facing the same situation as in the UK with energy prices skyrocketing and the, the worst is yet to come because here in the country people have fixed contracts for a year and only when they get renewed uh, households will really face uh, the the higher costs and that will come step by step during the course of this year so what we're expecting today is really nothing from the ECB in terms of rate hike or an acceleration of, a, of the exit from the extraordinary measures. but what is really expected that Christine Lagarde might change her tone on whether a rate hike in 2022 is likely or not. for now she was still saying that it's highly unlikely that the rates were going to be hiked during the course of 2022 the market is ahead of that um, statement. The market is now expecting two rate hikes during the course of this year from the ECB, given that high inflation. It's not only the, um, the the headline number when it comes to the high inflation reading, but also core inflation is well above the ECB's target, and that is really the problem. And we are not only talking about energy, we are also talking about food prices. And if you look at the factory price inflation, factory gate price inflation here in Germany, Germany, it's above 25%. That gives you an idea what might be the future of inflationary pressure in the eurozone as well.
0: Thank you for listening to
1: Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.
2: Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.